Well, we're back watching interest rate markets once again, with the market beefing up its obsession of how high rates could go. And ultimately, is there a snapping point, a tipping point ultimately, where rates could cause a higher volatility and a sustained volatility in markets? Of course, the US dollar is central to everything that we explore at the moment. And we look at the key drivers of the dollar and markets more globally. This is The Trade-Off. Well, hi there. My name is Chris Weston, Head of Research here at Pepstone. I'm joined in two seconds by Blake Morrow from Forex Analytics. Blake, I'm going to actually bring you straight into the program because I see uh, you are, you've made yourself out, out, you've moved out of the desert, um, probably, a, probably a wise decision, and you've moved yourself to where? Yeah, it's an old town Scottsdale. You know, it's about a couple miles away from where I live. And the desert, by the way, is only about 10 miles north of where I live. So, you know, we figured this would be a little bit closer to home for me. And uh, I, I started my trading career just literally behind those buildings behind me. So really? that's Man, it looks I, really nice. It looks very much like a, a kind of Venetian type setup sort of place that uh, you'd kick back after a hard day's trading. A few G&Ts, uh, you know, with the wife and, and friends. So it looks, it looks like a nice little place. That's where um, that's where the PGA's played, isn't it, on, on Scottsdale? It is. It's the Waste Management Open is played uh, pretty close to here. It's uh, it's actually that's actually very close to my house. And uh, it's it's a wonderful place to live and play golf. I mean, we have some of the best golf weather uh, and that's why so many tournaments are so we have so many golf. Uh, 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 you know, we have so many golf courses and tournaments love to be here. And that's why we all love to party at the PGA uh, Waste Management Open. <laughs> Very nice indeed. Well, you know, like if I was to look out of this sunny window here, you could see the Yarra uh, River in Melbourne, sun shining. It's a beautiful setup. You've obviously got that that amazing little setup. And we go to Michael Brown in the UK trade off, and he's looking over London's grey and dismal sky. And I think that's sort of a nice reflection on who he is as an individual as well. Only joking, Michael. <laughs> We're great. Anyway, let's go into Topical Thunder and let's have a look at what's going on in the markets this week. All right, a couple of things. First of all, I talked about in the synopsis there about rates markets. Interest rate markets are the first derivative. Um, they they are everything at the moment. Yeah, this idea of hard landing, soft landing, higher for longer, all this kind of issues. But ultimately, you know, you've seen this repricing, uh, not just in the US uh, rates curve, but in European rates. Um, you've actually seen some negative repricing in, in, in Australia, uh, in the RBA. Uh, in Bank of Canada as well, to an extent, and certainly some very some some big moves in, in in UK rates. But let's take the Fed for example. You know, we've got the um, the terminal price. This is the peak pricing um, in in the, in the interest rate markets now at five point three seven percent. So the Fed funds effective expected to get up to those levels. That's obviously brought up two year and five year Treasuries. That's boosted the US dollar relative to other currencies as well. Um, but you know, like we've just seen the minutes coming out. Obviously, they were stale. Um, we've got some data coming through. You, you've got to talk about the, the core PCE numbers later on this week. Market can be pretty sensitive to those. And then we're going into a wild into a wild March with you know, non-farm payrolls, Powell speaking early in the month, and, and and obviously the CPI number there. But this is what everyone's focused on: is how high could rates go? Could these rate cuts that are priced in for the end of the year fully come out? Are the rate cuts for next year likely to come out? But it's driving everything. So, yeah, you know, what's your take on this? How are you looking at the rates market? How influential is that um, as a sort of a correlation input for you to to trade currencies? Well, it's extremely it's extremely uh, important, and as we saw today, the dollar index is nearing its trend highs as a result. You know, and you've got 
you got yields rising not only in the U.S. but as you pointed out across you know around the world really. But there's got to be a tipping point, Chris. I, I've got to assume that that tipping point is coming, and I and I don't know if it's you know if it's back above four percent on the ten year that that really start to to impact the markets where markets start you know taking you know taking it not so much for granted where we're at. Um, but it's interesting how the 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 equity markets at least the u.s equity markets and well actually i could almost say global i mean you look at uh, nikkei's kind of rolled off a little bit as we we pointed out a couple of weeks ago but the dax is holding up near its highs you got a lot of like global equity markets that are really still holding on pretty well considering so mm. um i mean it's driving it's driving currencies and it's driving sentiment but it isn't driving equities or risk yet what what, what do you think, I think it is a bit point? i think it is a bit look the, the way i'm looking at this blake is yeah let's see what happens with with the data this week but you know ultimately the big the elephant in the room is what happens post powell's testimony to congress on the 7th of, of march um and if that payrolls number on the 11th is going to be a biggie followed by another c core cpi number line we will that that five thirty. I know there's a lot of time between that. That five thirty seven could easily be well above five point five percent, and we start saying to the market, going, you know, the Fed are going to have to upgrade their their dot plots pretty pretty substantially, um, and and I think that 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 would be bad. The other thing, of course, is if we were to really really open the door to a fifty basis point hike on that twenty second of March, and again, we're markets pricing about twenty five percent chance of that. Again, I think both of those situations for me. Is where you know risk stuff suffers and and in real rates as well. Last night we saw real rates moving up ten pace basis points off their lows, and that moved the dollar. So again, you know that they're, they're all things that are working. These series, those those are the 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 epicenter of global financial markets for me. They're driving everything. The dollar, equity markets. So if, if they continue to move, yeah, I think there will be a tipping point pretty soon. Okay, well, you know that brings me to actually our next topic, and this is actually. Uh, this is actually an important topic for traders, and it's it's bias. And I want to talk a little bit about it because, uh, as traders, and we talk about this, you and I discuss it here. But I had a conversation today with a trader on one of our shows regarding bias, and he was so bearish, and he's like, "We're gonna we're gonna trade into new lows, and we're we're going to new lows of the year today." You know, blah 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 blah. And I'm like, man, you know, you have to, it's okay to have an opinion. It's okay to have a bias, but it's, you got to be really careful in a range environment, which we are right now to be too attached to that bias. Yeah. Um, and, and it's something that I wanted to throw out there and make it a topic of conversation today, because I think people get caught up in their own biases. Do you see that happening in the, with the Pepperstone clientele? Um, well, I, I don't speak like directly to to them about their biases and bits and pieces. But I guess you know the, the thing we see most most prominently, and, and this is just a retail phenomenon. It's not something that's specific to Pepperstone clients. Is 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 people are always attracted to 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 trends, and, and they want to counter trend every time. And it's the the maturity of that trend, the, the you know the, the 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 severity of the slope up or down that that that's the red, you know, that, that just attracts them to that. And so when you when you do see something that's up for a period of time, then you then you just get people going. Oh, I've got to sell that, but or yeah, you know, if it's down for a period of time, uh, with a a decent slope, they'll they'll come and buy that, and you'll see a heavy skew doing the opposite of the trend. And of course, that's when yeah, you know, position size or leverage rate 
becomes an issue. So I think that's kind of what you what you tend to see yeah. um, on on the the bias thing. I mean, we talked about it in, in our year end review and, and or sort of look ahead for the year. You know, trade like a ninja. You've got to be able to adapt to the price action, adapt to the change in, in, in the market environment. And if you don't, you're going to get caught up, and those biases, you know, will get caught out. So you read the news, you get affected by sentiment that's there, and you decide to take a short position. The market goes up. You know, you've got to respect that. So you know, price action's always key, and trade like a ninja. We talked about, remember. Trade, trading like a ninja, I think, is important. And, and so I, I want to make sure that traders are being flexible. Don't you know, it's OK to be wrong. Just it's not OK to stay wrong. That's and right. Yeah. That's that's something that I've, I've really learned, especially when I did. You know, I did some prop trading for a firm individually for, for many years. Uh, I learned not to stay wrong because especially when you're, you're not, you know, you're trading positions. A lot of people like to add to these losing positions and it's just not a wise decision, especially if you're really biased trading. Like I am so bearish. I can't even see straight. So everything I'm going to trade is, you know, risk gotta, off. But I want to say you know, this because I actually yeah. find it really easy to get out of a trade. I, I, you know, as soon as I'm losing money, I'll get out. It's, it, yeah. We talked about it at the beginning of the year. It's the staying in and extracting most out of a trade that, that that's most important. And you've got, I remember you've got an interesting story about staying in the trade, right? In the early days yeah. in 1997, you've been one year into, I, I one one, I just about to start my career, and you got you got taught a big lesson about staying in in trades. How you go? Know, tell us about that. Yeah, you know, I, I was actually right behind the uh, backdrop of where I was at, and uh, you know, I, I I was trading a couple of internet stocks, and I was I was I locked in like five grand worth of profits. My buddy was sitting to the right of me. He looked over and he said. Or he didn't say he went and he just he, me. he just clocked and you. He just cold cocked me. I said, What are you doing? And he goes, Why did you get out of that position? I said, I want to book some profits. He's like, You're 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 never gonna make a lot of money unless you stay with your trades. You know, have have faith in your trades, you're profitable, move your stops at break even and stick with it. And I'm like, huh. <laughs> but that was a that that taught was you a good sad, lesson. It taught you taught you a lesson back in the day. I'm not sure if that would fly these days, yeah. to be honest. 1997 was a slightly different era, but you learned your lesson, and, and hopefully you're a, you're you're a much better trader as a result of that. Anyway, like, great story. I, you know, old, old old days. You know, we could we could talk war stories all day long, to be honest, but we can't. Yeah. Producers give me a wrap up. Anyway, let's go into the equity markets because last week I was wrong. Uh, I was talking about the Nasdaq looking for a breakout. It didn't happen. We were sort of saying, or well, I was certainly saying. Um, you know, there was a lot of conflicting forces that suggested it should be going down, but it's going up, and 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 that just yeah. Go back to the, the previous section. Is just I was thinking, yeah, it, my gut was telling me that it, that I wanted to sell risk, but the, yeah, the price action wasn't there, and you know, we're st- I was staying long. Uh, ultimately, we've seen the Nasdaq come off pretty sharply, uh, S and P coming off, and, and Chinese equity markets coming off um, as a result. So yeah, my, my gut instinct was was right, but yeah, the, the price action wasn't there, and I still had a, a long bias. Now, where are we at? Um, you know, if we have a look at reflection of where we're going at the moment, um, and, and again, I throw the question to you: We've had a big pullback, a decent pullback. We've got the the, the VIX currently trading at twenty two percent, so there has been a, a bit of a propensity to buy volatility, but it's still not at extreme levels by any means. Above thirty percent would be that that more sort of extreme read. But looking at the technicals, Blake, I know we haven't got a chart in front of us now, but how are you thinking about yeah you know, things like equity risk premium? Where is the the balance of risk now in the near term, are we, are we, yeah, do you see more upside risks or more downside risks immediately? Well, that's a good question. I actually think it's quite balanced to use your own term. Okay. <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm actually selling rallies and I'm buying dips. So to, to make it a little bit easier, if I can give you guys some numbers like that I'm thinking off the top of my head, obviously things change every day we take in. I, I always like to tell people every morning I sit down, it's like sitting down with a, you know, thousand piece piece jigsaw puzzle. And I'm putting the pieces together early in the morning, trying to figure out exactly what I want to do for the day and how that picture is going to look. 
every day you get thrown like different pieces of the puzzle. You're like, well, that one doesn't fit and that one doesn't fit where it's supposed to, but that's kind of the way it is. And so when I say, Hey, you know, we get towards 40, 50 in the S and P I'm looking to sell risk. We get down towards 3,900, 3,950. I'm looking to buy risk. So you can tell I'm, 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 I'm looking to, to be a ninja trade both sides of the market, but I want to trade extremes. I, I'd like to see us get to, you know, get down towards 3950, maybe 3900 and be long a little bit of risk. You know, you get up about 40, 50 during, you know, to the breakdown point from a couple of days ago, sell some risk up there. I think that's how you have to play it because I think it is kind of balanced. I don't, yeah. I don't have a lot to go off of right now because we all know the Fed should be hawkish. They should keep rates high even not just the Fed, other central banks too, liquid, the money supply should stay tight. Balance sheets are going to get continue to get cut down. So stocks should come down, but they aren't, right? So what do you think, Chris? Yeah, I, mean, I think if the market was to, to sell off, it could really sort of accelerate um, because I think you start getting all the flow-based, uh, you know, the, the market's going to be short gamma and they're going to start hedging that. That's going to cause people to sell the underlying. You get a CTA accounts all sort of you know, piling into short futures positions. And then you get the um, yeah the vol targeting funds all coming in. We're not there yet. I mean, this is when a sort of flow based activity that that really extent you know, exaggerates moves low. We're not we're not at that point yet, but yeah, we could be pretty soon. So uh, another big push lower if rates if, if two years were to break out, you know, the two year treasury is to break out about what four eighty five year goes. Real yeah. rates move up. Yeah, we get a five fifty terminal price, and um, yeah, I think then you start attracting those flow based things, and that's where it starts to really to move low. Which which I love, I love that situation because you can see these these violent intraday swings, and and that sort of yeah benefits the day trader in me effectively rather than the swing trader. So that that's something to to be aware of. Flow is something that we don't see, um, but it's it yeah the banks do. Um, but yeah, this is this this is something that can really exaggerate moves when it gets wild. Well, let's hope so. I'd love to see volatility pick up. And I guess that should be a warning to any of you that are, you know, if you're looking to trade long, if you got to be watching volatility at the same time, seeing seeing if that's picking up. But yeah. I'm going to take it to our next and last uh, topic today. And that's going to be the PC, because maybe this is what juices the market a little bit. And, in, in, uh, you know, my weekly video uh, at, at, over the weekend, I, I talked about the PCE maybe being that you know, catalyst that drives the market this week that yeah. gives that volatility. I mean, we got CPI, we got producer prices. We talked a little bit about it last week, Chris, yeah. where, you know, you said, hey, these are the inputs that we're looking at. You know, today we got the FOMC meeting minutes and, and and you know, we were talking about it in our community. It's like, listen, whatever you, whatever they said, which ended up, you, you hear some hawkish commentary, whatever they said, just think about that commentary has got to be more hawkish yeah, and now following all the data that we've seen the last three weeks, because the the Fed meeting was on the first. Correct. So, with that being said, that PCE data maybe that's the straw that breaks the camel's back that actually gets the juices flowing in this market. What, or how inspires. are you going to trade the PCE? Mate, I, I, I'll say that you know you brought this up last week and said PPIs could, and and, and I was saying it's probably going to be a non-event. Based on historical performance, that's usually the case. But what we did see was such a big outperformance relative to expectations. This was an outlier move. I mean, we talk about standard deviations relative to consensus. Um, yeah, the, the actual outcome was significantly higher than what was looked for. And yeah, the interesting thing for me now, Blake, is that if you look at core PCE deflator, which is one the Fed look at pretty closely, the market's expecting that on Friday to be at 4.3%. Now, that hasn't been revised up as a result of the PPI number. So instinctively, mm. I would say that there are upside surprises or risks, should we say, to that 4.3% consensus. 
the Algos are going to key off that straight off the bat. They're going to run positions far, far quicker than you or I be able to enter or exit those positions. So I wouldn't trade around it. Um, but yeah, I, I think there's probably our upside risk based on that PPI and the fact that consensus hasn't been moved up. Um, yeah, if we were to get four and a half percent, then yeah, I think that that really opens the door. Um, yeah, twenty five percent chance of a fifty basis point hike in in you know, probably becomes thirty. You know, you get the two year Treasury moving up a little bit higher, and you know Nasdaq comes off. Failing that, you know, with the market quite bearish at the moment, I think sentiment is is starting to turn. Yeah, you know, quite it feels to me anyway like quite bearish that yeah you know, that if we were to get a, a weaker number, let's say. 4.2, 4.1% or so, that could be enough to cause the NASDAQ to rally, you know, the dollar to come off, dollar yen to come off. So I think it's, you know, t- traditionally CPI is always the one that moves the markets. Um, but core PCE, given how sensitive we are, maybe this is something that could inspire the, the, the risk balls effectively if a lower number comes out. But as I say, given that PPI input, one suspects um, there probably are upside risks. How do you feel about that? Well, that's that's a great point that you bring up, and and I think that everybody should take heed of that. And um, and one of the other things I want to point out, and I know we're going to talk about this in our our setups. Dollar, the dollar has been trading very strong. Bounces have been very shallow in that, like the euro dollar. Dollar pullbacks have been fairly shallow, uh, yeah. and and you're starting to see breakouts almost across the dollar curve. Yeah. So that's something I think we need to respect, especially if the number comes in stronger, as Chris, as you allude to. Yeah, I think. The risks are still for a stronger dollar in this environment, but um, you know it's it's not the checklist for a, an outrageous U.S. dollar bull market like we saw in Q3 of last year. Probably aren't there at the moment. Well, they're certainly not there at the moment because the rest of the world is still in in a, a reasonably good spot. Um, the U.S. hasn't got that that natural exceptionalism story, although it is becoming somewhat that way. But my checklist for an outrageous U.S. dollar bull market are not there at the moment. But yeah, you, probably given the trend, we've got a, a modest. Yeah, US dollar sort of position that we've got at the moment. So well, that's my view anyway. Anyway, so let's go you, to. I'm sorry. I know we need, we need we need to move on, Chris. But is it a semi smile or a smile? <laughs> semi smile. Yeah. Where where would it be? It would probably be sort of yeah. It wouldn't be quite on the right. It would sort of be mm. north yeah. northeast. Okay. <laughs> As the crow flies. Yeah. Sorry. There we go. Yeah. So I understand what you're saying. Anyway, let's go to some of the charts. So let's, let's pictorialize this one. Right, so set up, Blake. I want to bring up Euro dollar first of all because we talked about this dollar view. Let's have a look at that one. Okay, so you know, for me, if I look at some um, rate differentials between the US and, and, and Europe, you know, go back to that peak that we saw, um, you know, recently when we were trading at one ten. Um, you know, we saw the the US five year Treasury, if you want to use that part of the curve, wearing a 120 basis point premium against German bunds. That's now 150 basis point premium. So relative rates have gone up in the US relative to Germany, for example, now 150 basis point premium. And you can see the effect on euro dollar. It's come right back around to these levels. Um, price is, is getting sold off every time we go into that five-day exponential moving average, which is that five uh, that orange line. You can see, I love to see that situation. You know, when we're trending, just using that as a basic mechanical stop. You know, on a daily close above that level, then get out of the trade, or you can use a three, eight-day crossover, whatever you want to do. It separates the emotion. But yeah, this is breaking down now. Yeah, can we break down into that 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 January sixth swing, um, just below one hundred and five? Blake, how's you, how are you seeing this? You got any reason? I know this is a daily chart, but have you got any reason to be buying now, or you stay with this one? No, I think anywhere anywhere between one hundred and five to to maybe the two hundred day moving average, which comes in around one hundred and three fifty. Those are going to be my levels that I'm looking to buy. I'm not, you know, I'm not a euro bear. I'm actually more of a euro bull. Correct. But I happen I'm to be same. a dollar bull at the same time. So. You know, I, I am looking to buy dips in the euro, but at this point, 
like I said, the, the pullbacks have been, or the bounces have been really shallow. And, and, you know, we closed today at a new trend low that's below or right at 106. So it, it does seem to me that we're going to open up some downside. The 38% retracement of this entire move up comes in around 104.60. So that, that would be like an initial target for me, you know, around the well, We've closed through the 78.6 of the, uh, if this, yeah. this if this rally we've seen this year, so yeah, it suggests that there's that there is a probability. Yeah, you can talk about oversold and all these various factors, but yeah, the markets, yeah, the positioning still um, quite yeah. So parts of the the, the the investment community are still very much long euros at the moment. Um, and if you look at terminal pricing, yeah, the market's pricing what I think is is a pretty aggressive hiking cycle for Europe. Whereas I think that there's more to come potentially in the US. So yeah, I. I I would say the balance of risks still remains selling rallies and that, that, yeah, this time next week, we'll probably be close towards that swing low. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm, I'm going to be keeping an eye on that and I, and I tend to agree with you there, but this is going to be a controversial one, Chris. Let's take a look at the oh, U.S. dollar Japanese. Uh, yeah. The U.S. dollar Japanese. Can you pronounce his last name for me? Oida. 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 Okay. So the BOJ governor is going to, uh, you know, the nom- nominee, he's going to be going in front of parliament this week. And this is a point that I've been making all since last week and, and on my week, my weekend video. Look, the, you know, BOJ governor, politicians, I don't care who they are, somebody that's leading somewhere. They're going to say whatever they want to say and to get the job. But once they get they get in that position, their actions are going to speak louder than words. I'm going to tell you. I love that. I love right it. now. Yeah. Right now that there is no one more extreme than drunken, you know, BOJ Kuroda right now. And when he's off the throne and you put Ueda on there, you know, I'm going to be buying yen. And so I'm just hoping we get a spike up towards the 200 day moving average at 38% retracement, 136.50 to 137 level. That is going to be my fade area. I've been thinking about that all week and I'm just hoping we get a spike up there by sometime midweek. What do you think about this trade setup there, Chris? Yeah, look, I think it's, you know, that he is going to be uh, going to parliament. It's, it's, it's actually a name very close to my heart. You know, what they call it in Japan, they call it the diet. So, you know, that's he's going to be appealing to them. Um, but yeah, I agree. I mean, I think that the risk reward comes in in just waiting for a little bit more squeeze in dollar longs. That probably coincides with a little bit more of a squeeze higher in, in yields and obviously, um, you know, terminal or peak pricing in, in, in Fed funds, US swaps, for example. Um, but I agree. I think I think you nailed that. That's a really, really. I, I haven't heard. You know, it's a really good way of, of, of thinking about it. That he will say what needs to be said, and, and that is likely to be that. You know, the, the current policy is is the right policy. And I know that there are people within the diet that, that want to see a more hawkish situation. They look about the the unforeseen consequences with you know buying all the Japanese government bonds that are out in circulation. With having you know ultra easy policy. Um, let's also remember that that tomorrow, and I'm saying I'm saying this might. Um, Thursdays that we do get national CPI numbers as well, and they're expected to to increase to 4.3%. But I think that's actually going to mark a short-term peak in, in Japanese inflation. But I think that could be just as important. So the yen's going to be interesting because we're getting um, we're getting inflation numbers, and we're also getting Oida speaking to the diet there. But yeah, I agree. I think you, you coin it well. He'll say what he needs to say to get the job done when he's actually. Um, you know, leading the committee. And obviously there's other forces as well, the deputy governor and all that. Um, but yeah, what he actually does when he's in the job is, is it's obviously going to be very different. So I like the trade. I, I quite like um, selling into those. I want to take it back to school, Westy School Day. Let's go into have a look at rates, volatility, rates, vol, not volume. Vol, vol means uh, volatility. So what have we got at the top here? I think this is really interesting because um, we talk about these moves that are happening in rates, and, and what I've got at the top is, 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 is the swaptions market. So these effectively look at implied volatility in interest rate swaps. Um, 
it's very difficult to get hold of that information unless you've got Bloomberg Terminal. But the, what we what you can do is you can get one on the bottom. It's called the Move Index, and this looks at implied volatility across Treasuries. Very, very correlated, and you can have a look at that on your trading view chart. You can actually get the CBOE interest rate volatility there, but it's a different one from this. And um, but the move is the one that I would look at from a trading view platform. Now, what you can see there is that period through October into basically through Q4, the interest rate volatility subsided quite sharply, and that led to a situation where the dollar really out, uh, really underperformed relative to G10. And we saw some some big moves there. You can see the dollar index in in that sort of dotted uh, orange line. Now what we've been seeing is, is if we, as, as the movement has, has, has taken place up and down, um, but you know generally sort of more pronounced moves from the mean uh, in interest rate pricing, you can see that the dollar is really benefiting from that, and there's been a decent correlation from that. Now I'm not going to use the technical analysis on on, on that. You, know, you can see it's testing the 50-day, um, but you can see a situation. The move index has moved up as well. So implied volatility in rates market has gone up. Um, that's benefited the dollar. And it's seen equity markets coming over. For me, when I'm looking at risk gauges, yeah, people talk about the VIX and all these factors. Um, I'm looking at interest rate volatility because if that continues, that move index goes for 130. There's no doubt in my mind that the Nasdaq's going lower. You're going to see interest rate hikes um, being priced in, and and so that that's a really important one. So I'm looking at, you know, people are saying, oh yeah, the VIX this, VIX this. Have a look at the move index. Have a look at the um, the HYG. Have a have a look at uh, in, uh, rates vol. That to me is the key one there, Blake. And you Sorry. know when when you're on when you're on trading view, just put in M O V E, and and exactly. that, and, I, and I'm going to say you've been spot on with that. And as you know, rates are moving globally, volatility is picking up. So that move index, as it picks up, you know that's just going to imply, as Chris pointed out, uh, you know more dollar strength. So I hope you all had your pen and Sorry, paper. I, I, and I, I didn't give enough. you much time to uh, to speak there, Blake. Apologies, mate. I just yeah. went on a bit a bit of a rant. No, so. that's okay. <laughs> that, that's perfectly fine with me, and I'm sure it's perfectly fine with every Pepperstone client that's listening in right now, which uh, should be every one of them. All right, I'm going to take you to the my setup. My last setup here is Bitcoin. You know, Bitcoin. I want to show you this really, really fascinating chart. You know, when Bitcoin went into a free fall, you know, back in uh, whatever year that was at 2021, when we when we fell like that, I guess it was like at the end of uh, end of yeah, no, no, it was end of uh, beginning of 2022. We spiked down below 25,000. 25,000 was like that spike low. You notice that we've rejected it every time on a rally. And I think my um, forex analytics, you know, traders that we talk to every day, we talk. We've we mentioned the name. We mentioned the price twenty five thousand so many different times over the course of the last year. I, I'm people probably get nauseated hearing me say it, but even the last few last like few trading sessions, twenty five thousand three hundred really big level resistance. Right now, it's a triple top, could be a quadruple top. We know that it's big. So if we get much above twenty five thousand five hundred, it's actually a bullish breakout. However. If we break below 23,300, that's the level that I'm, I'm looking at for a neckline. That should take us right back down to about 21.5. And that's a pretty big move. Percentage-wise, it's a pretty big move. So if you're a crypto trader, keep an eye on that. What do you think about Bitcoin here? Well, it's the first time I've seen you putting these these fancy um, graphics on, you know, the, the written. Um, it looks really nice, to be honest. Um, uh, uh, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Like, I, I was really hoping it would break that that level because I want to see it going. I love momentum moves. I don't care the asset. If it's moving up, I want to be in part of be involved in it. Just just have the right momentum strategy and, and try and extract most out of the trade. Obviously, cut that position. So I was actually hoping we were going to get that break and it was going to lead to a, a nice move higher. We're going to get FOMO capital chasing it up. And uh, I would have been set. So I was actually really hoping for, for the close above that level. It hasn't happened. 
happened. And so I'm still, um, you know, I'm, I'm not doing anything with that. But yeah, I love Bitcoin and, and crypto as a sort of momentum trading vehicle. Um, and it hasn't happened. So yeah, I think there's, there's probably two ways, two way risk at the moment. I'd want to see another break, another test and, and a close. But yeah, again, it's wait for the close above that level um, and go from there. But uh, yeah, I like, I like what you've done with the, um, with the graphics there, Blake. You've made it look really nice. Thank you. They, you know, hey, they, there's an old saying too: triple tops builds stops. So just remember that one. That's right, mate. That's right. But when it does break through, it can be very, very powerful indeed. Anyway, right. so I want to have a look. I want to have a look at. Uh, I want to have a look at player of the day today. Right. When I woke up this morning, I thought to myself, "Let's have a look at the charts." And obviously, we knew what was going on. And I thought to myself, do I want to do I want to choose Nat Gas because it's just absolutely flying? It's one for the brave, as we talk about. Do I want to have a look at crude because crude's being smacked at the moment, and you know we'd we'd looking to to trade down to the lows of the range. But I thought to myself, you know, I like the dollar to an extent, but what's what's the best way to express a strong dollar view at the moment? It's against the weakest currency. The weakest currency is obviously Aussie dollar, so that's what I'm looking at here. So Aussie dollar, we saw a weak wage number. Um, you know, the rates repricing a little bit. But look at the technical setup. And I also thought to myself, what's the one Blake would probably argumentally want? Want and Blake, <laughs> what is the one you really wanted to use as your player of the day? It's the Aussie. Aussie. Yeah, there you go. So anyway, so I've read your mind. Um, but look at it. I mean, yeah, for those who like head and shoulders pattern, there's a pretty clear one that's come through there. Um, you know, you're ta- targeting that sort of yellow box down at the bottom as a, as a sort of a, te- a technical target, so to speak. We're just holding on the 200-day moving average at the moment. Uh, I actually quite like selling. I- I'd everyone actually to see a little bit more strength into that sort of red horizontal which loosely you can see uh, and, and 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 the market sell off like a little bit of a push higher um, I'm not sure if we're going to get it I like selling the weakest I like buying the strongest right now Aussie dollar is is the weakest China's not really helping the situation uh, if you believe that the rates repricing can coming yeah the Aussie's the one there but look at the technicals at the moment if this breaks the 200 day moving average yeah this could start trending lower so I like this one um, uh, I like selling rallies I think this one goes lower here yeah, and I and I have to say, Chris, if you if you take a look at the Aussie Kiwi after the yesterday's RBNZ, that's that's definitely going to weigh yeah. on the Aussie all that's the way broken around. Out the, that's broken out of the the, the channel, the bull channel that we've been doing as well. So I think that the bars yeah. are switched on that one as well. Right. Well, you know, I'm going to stick with the dollar theme here, and my uh, my play of the day is going to be the Looney, the dollar CAD, and we're looking at a Garley pattern. Now they they call this a bearish Garley, and the reason why it's a bearish Garley is because it is a straight up sell right around the 138, 138.50, maybe 138.60 level. And that's why you see 138XX because somewhere up there around that 127% extension, around that 78% retracement of the entire you know, highlighted area, that's going to come in right around 138.40, 138.50. So somewhere up, up in that neighborhood becomes bearish, but there's a leg between now and then above 134.50 towards 138. That could provide a lot of upside. And if we get a little bit of risk off, as Chris was alluding to earlier, rate start rate, rate expectations start moving up. The dollar Canadian, it did close, and I don't have this on the chart, above the 618 retracement of the high on December 20th <clears throat> to the low of February 2nd. The 618 retracement was 134.45. We closed above it today. That should give us a green light for some higher prices. We closed above that trend line. I'm looking for a bullish move. So look at us, $2 bulls. Imagine that, if, Chris. If, if, if crude goes down to those lows that we talked about, that's going to that's gonna benefit this trade. Uh, there's really yeah. not much price. The the inflation numbers out of Canada that we talked about, you know, were, were weaker than expected. You know, they're, they're pretty much, that sort of solidifies the need for the Bank of Canada to go on extended pause now. Um, so I think, yeah, fundamentally, your, your trade makes sense. The technicals suggest 
that, that that's the case as well. So I like the trade. You're probably going to be proved right again, Blake, um, as you always are, mate. So well done. And uh, look, really nice to see you moving out of the desert. There's too many dangerous things out there, and you moved into the, the into obviously the, the 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 more sort of cosmopolitan areas and uh, yeah I'll probably one day like to join you for a gin and tonic on those uh, watching the golf as well so anyway you guys at home uh, thank you for watching uh, obviously if you've stayed this long hit the like button we really appreciate it. leave a comment about how you're trading the markets we always like to see those and get to them when we can and we'll see you back next week for more of the same